So I am genuinely excited and expectant as we kick off this brand new series, You Were Made For This, exploring perhaps what are the two biggest uh, questions that people across the world and throughout history have asked. Who am I and why am I here? The big questions of identity and purpose. And in this time, we're going to be looking at that first question. Who am I? The question of identity. How would you answer that question? What is your definition of yourself? How do, how do you define yourself? And this is really important because what we believe, friends, determines how we behave. The way you answer the question, who am I, will determine how you then do life, how you live your life. I want to tell you about the day where I became Batman. Now, I know some of you will be surprised by this. If you know me well, you'll know I'm a, I'm a lifelong Superman fan. But on this occasion, I was in the Isle of Wight in, in Shanklin playing a game of Hunt the Leader on a youth weekend away. And uh, it was delegated to me on this occasion to be masked up as Batman. Uh, I have to confess, thankfully, there are no photos to share the evidence, but it wasn't a very cool Batman costume, but I was Batman all the same. I was masked up and ready to go. And of course, no one could rescue, uh, recognize me. And, and I was nervous at first as I was walking around Shanklin, but after a while, people started to call out my name. They started to point and go, there's Batman. And as they started to do that, I started to become Batman. Parents directed their children towards me, and, and I would gladly do some kind of superhero pose with their kids, sometimes crouching down and just saying to them, be good kids, I'm Batman, and really getting into character. People came up to me for photos. One guy literally pulled up his car alongside me, got out of the car in order to take a selfie with me as Batman. And the more I wore the mask, the more I became Batman. I even started to so confidently walk into shops and just walk around just looking at people and going, I'm Batman. Which, for most people, it was very amusing, although it did startle a few people, to be honest. Like, I believed I was Batman. And because I believed I was Batman, I started to behave like Batman because our beliefs shape our behaviors. Of course, the truth is, as you all know, I wasn't Batman. I was just hiding behind a mask. Who was the real person behind the mask? And if we're honest this morning, we can all hide behind masks. Masks that represent the false answers to that big question, who am I? The, the false identities. And I want to share with you this morning six false identities that we can live our life on. That if we... If we embrace these false identities, then we're going to believe the wrong things and we'll start behaving in the wrong way. And so here we go. Six false identities that ultimately don't set us free. They imprison us. And, and they become essentially the story that we live our lives by. But they're fake stories. They're, they're fake news. They're never going to do us any good. So as I go through these, maybe make a note of them and ask yourself, have I bought into this false truth? Have I bought into this wrong belief? The first is this. Some of us believe I am what I do. Some of us believe I am what I do. And because we believe that, our whole focus is about achieving success and having fun and avoiding failure at all costs. We don't want to fail because I am what I do. Some of us have believed the lie, I am what I feel. 
And so because we believe that our behavior is completely determined by whatever roller coaster emotion we're experiencing in any moment. Some of us believe the false identity, I am what I have. I am what I have. And so our behavior is focused on the pursuit of more, more money, more possessions, more stuff, more, more, more. Fourthly, some of us believe the false identity, I am who I'm with. I am who I'm with. And so our behavior is totally focused on pursuing that perfect relationship that will fulfill us and help us to feel loved. Number five, some of us have embraced the false identity, I am how I look. And so we're obsessed with our appearance and whether we look cool and look good and look fit and look well and look healthy. And then finally, some of us have embraced the false identity, I am what they say. I am what they say. That our belief about ourselves is totally shaped by the opinions of other people. And so therefore we embrace a life of people pleasing and avoiding conflict at all costs. Now listen, reality check. Two reality checks. Reality check one. I don't know a single person on this planet who isn't battling with some of those false identities in one way or another, including myself. We are all fragile. But reality check two is this. It is a good thing to do well, to feel good, to enjoy stuff, to have healthy relationships, to be healthy, and to listen to the advice and opinion of other people. Those things can be good. But if we build our identity on those things, then the moment any of those things are shaken, then we're shaken, and not just we, but the whole of life feels fragile. They're false truths they're fake news. They will never satisfy us, fulfill us, and bring the right answer to the question, who am I? In Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13, God looks across his creation, and he looks over his people, and he says this, for my people have done two evil things. They've abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they've dug for themselves crack cisterns that can hold no water at all. Now, these words were captured over two and a half thousand years ago, but they are as true today as they were back then. And what God was saying is that basically every one of us in humanity are battling with two problems. The first problem is this. We've rejected God as our true source of identity and purpose, our true source of life. We've abandoned God and we're living with the consequences ever since. We have turned from God. And the second problem, he says, is that we have turned from him and we've turned to false sources of life. We've embraced these false identities and destinies that promise much but deliver little. They leak. They're not fit for purpose. It's not that they're necessarily bad. They're just not the best. Yes, um, they might give some satisfaction, but they're not there to give us the satisfaction, the wholeness, the wholeness, the healing, the well-being, the flourishing that we were created to have. They don't fully answer that identity and purpose question. So what is the answer? Like I mentioned that those six false identities become the story that we live our lives by. And I, I want to remind you today that the Bible, God's Word, Old and New Testament, this library of books is ultimately a story. 
It, it's, it's not an instruction manual. Like who enjoys reading an instruction manual? Although it does instruct us in terms of how we live the life that we were created to live. But ultimately, the Bible is God's living story. It tells us the true story, the real story worth embracing that gives us the answers that we are looking for. And so in this story, we're invited to believe some different things, to think differently, to change our mindset, to believe the truth of who we are, to believe what God says about us. Like, I wonder what you think is the answer to that question. If I were to ask you, what do you think God thinks about you, how you would answer it? Well, we're going to explore that in just a moment because I want to tell you five things that the Bible says and that God says is true over you, your true identity. And if you are someone who's exploring faith or new to faith, I, I want to hope and pray that right now, wherever you're watching this from, this will blow your mind as you dare to believe these things and apply them to your life. And if you're someone who's been following Jesus for a long time, maybe, I, I want to pray that these five truths will become new and fresh to you. Like the problem for some of us is that we've been going to church for a long time and we kind of know it here. We know it in our heads, but we don't truly know it in our hearts. We, we believe it, but we don't really believe it in the depths of who we are. And the evidence of that is because we don't behave it because we don't truly believe it. Like in the scriptures, there is this Hebrew word in the Old Testament uh, for know, to know something. And it's the Hebrew word yada. And it, and it doesn't mean to know in the sense that you could be great at winning a pub quiz. It, it's not that kind of head knowledge. Yada, this Hebrew word to know, literally means to, to really know in terms of experienced it, to know it in the core of who you are. There's an intimacy of knowing this in every single way. That's the known truth that God wants to have for us. Like when Jesus was around, who we know and believe is the Son of God, he put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 32. Jesus said this, When you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And this New Testament word for know that Jesus uses is the Greek word for the Hebrew word yada, and it means genis, it says it's genisko. And again, it means like when you know what is really, really true, not in your head, but in your soul, in the deepest part of you, it will bring you the freedom that you've been searching for the whole of your life. And so as we come to these five truths now, I, I pray that you don't know them, but that you know them, that you know them in, in your gut, in your belly, you know that they are true. And that those truths, this belief, who are you, and God's answer to this question, will set you free to behave and live the life that God called you to live, which we'll look at in the coming weeks as we think about our purpose. So are you ready? Is everyone ready? You ready in the room? Are we ready? Okay, so get your pen out because here we go. The five things that God says over you. The five correct I am statements. And the first is this. I am intentionally created. I am intentionally created. Why don't you just say that to your soul? I am intentionally created. In the poetic story of creation in Genesis 1, 26 to 27, we read these words. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now, friends, this is an incredible truth. 
Don't miss this. Don't miss this today. Let me say to someone watching right now, you are not an accident. You are not a cosmic accident and you're not a parental accident. Maybe someone said to you when you were growing up, you know, we didn't plan you. You were uh, just an accident. I want to tell you, you are not an accident. Before you were conceived in the womb of your mum, you were conceived in the will of God. God loves you and he created you and he wants you to be here. In fact, God says over you today, you being here is my idea. It's God's plan. It's God's will. You are intentionally created by God, not accidentally, but intentionally. And the wonderful thing that we read in those verses is that not only are you intentionally created, but you are created in the image of God. That means that there is something of the divine reflected in you. And so if you're watching this today and you, 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 know, you want to say, no, Matt, I'm worthless um, I, I'm, I'm good for nothing. Let me tell you, um, I, I respect that maybe you've been through pain and difficulty and oppression and difficult situations and words have been said over you. But with God, there are no good for nothings. There are no uh, people who are worthless because there is something of the preciousness of God reflected in you. There is something of the very nature of God in you and there's something of the, re- the nature of God reflected through you. And that tells you something about your worth and value today. Who are you? Number one, I am intentionally created. Like when God made you, he was showing off. That's the truth. Secondly, number two, our second I am. I am deeply known. Again, why don't you say that out out loud to yourself? I am deeply known. Have you ever been in a situation where you have felt to yourself, nobody gets me? nobody understands me. Like sometimes people say, oh, I understand what you feel, but, but deep down you just feel like no one gets me. No one understands what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing. We've all had those moments, haven't we? But let me share with you this wondrous truth that not only are you intentionally created by God, but you are deeply known by your creator, by God. The ancient king of Israel, David, Israel's most beloved king, he was so blown away by this truth that he wrote a song about it. And you can find that song in the middle of your Bible in Psalm 139. This is just the first six verses. Listen to David as he writes with his mind blown about this incredible truth about how well God knows him. He says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit up and you know when I stand up. Sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me too great for me to understand. Again, like David's like, mind blown. Hashtag mind blown. That, that moment of recognizing someone understands me. Someone gets me. I am thoroughly and completely and deeply known. God knows me even better than I know myself. You know, I, I, I'm so blessed to have some very close friendships in my life. And I love being with those people because those people know me. 
Like they're safe places. So I love being with them and chatting to them. And that's why, friends, prayer is such a beautiful gift from God. Because in prayer, we get to be present with the one who knows us perfectly. He is a safe place for us to be real because he knows us. Who are you? Number one, I'm intentionally created. Who are you? I'm deeply known. Thirdly, it just gets better and better, friends. Are you ready? Number three, I am unconditionally loved. I am unconditionally loved. Let's be real for a moment that one of the reasons we hide behind masks is because we're afraid that if people know what we're really like, like what we really think, some of the things that we've done, if they really knew, quote, the truth about us, then they would reject us, that they wouldn't want to know us, they wouldn't want to be with us if they knew what we were really like. Because guilt and shame always result in us holding something back from a relationship because we worry about being exposed and then rejected. But the wonderful truth in the story of God is that though, get this, don't miss this, though God knows everything about you, that you can not hide anything from him. He knows everything about you, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. Despite all that, God still loves you. He doesn't turn away in disgust. He draws close in devotion to you. You might have abandoned God, but God will never abandon you. You can ignore him, but you cannot escape him. He loves you because love is his essential nature. One of Jesus' closest friends, John, wrote about this at the very end of John's life. He'd spent the most life-changing three years with Jesus, where he'd seen Jesus as God revealed as a human being. And in the latter years of his life, as John's reflecting on this incredible encounter with God through Christ, he writes these words in a book right at the end of the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8 to 10. This is what John says. He says, God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world that we might have eternal love through him. This is real love, John says. Don't miss this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Not that we love God first, not that there were conditions, but that God loved us first. You are eternally and unconditionally loved. You are perfectly loved. You are demonstrably loved. You are sacrificially loved. That is what the cross of Jesus Christ is about, that God loves you so much that he would rather die, taking on all the forces that keep you from life, including sin and selfishness and sickness, suffering, even death itself. Take it on himself. Suffer the agony of the cross because he loves you and then defeat it after three days by rising again. You are unconditionally loved. And you're not loved because of anything you say or do. You're not loved whether you succeed or fail. You, you are loved because God is love. And he loves his creation. And by the way, he has a very special affection for you today. A very special affection for you. He has your picture on his mantelpiece in heaven. He loves you. You're unconditionally loved. 
And, and if you could really start to believe that truth, not in your head, but in the deepest part of your being, it would change everything. Because why would you and I vainly chase the acceptance of people when we can embrace the acceptance of God? I'm unintentionally created. I'm deeply known. I'm unconditionally loved. Number four, I am joyfully adopted. I am joyfully adopted. Now, this, this is incredible. God hasn't just created us. He doesn't just know us. He doesn't just love us, but he longs for us to be part of his eternal family. And this has been fully made possible because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. All of us, up until we say yes to God, we've been living our lives as if God did not exist, as if God was dead. And what that meant is essentially we had become spiritual orphans, destitute and distant from our Heavenly Father, restless souls trying to find our way home, searching for the family that we were created for, which is God's family. Like, if you're old like me, you may remember the film in 2003, which became one of the uh, Walt Disney's biggest animated features ever. It's the film Finding Nemo. And it tells the story of this uh, terrified clownfish called Sidney, who goes on this incredible, epic adventure to find his lost son, Nemo. Finding Nemo is the story of a loving father who will stop at nothing to get his kid back. And if the Bible could be described in any way, I can't think of a better way to describe the story of Scripture. The story of a loving heavenly father, a perfect heavenly father who will stop at nothing to get his kids back. And that includes you. He will do all that it takes to then adopt you, to bring you back into the family, this amazing family, regardless of, of maybe you've had bad experiences of family, of, of siblings or a father or a parental figure. But this God is a perfect father. You get with Jesus an ever-present elder brother, and you get the Holy Spirit as a constant companion and comforter and empower for the life you're created. You get to be part of this global church because the church is not a building or a service or a ministry. The church is the family of God on the mission of God. We, we're part of this family. God has wanted you to be adopted by him. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 1 verse 5. I love this. Check this out. He says, God's unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. Note this, and then Paul says this, and this gave God great pleasure, great pleasure. Like if you want in a nutshell, if someone says, who are you? If you can't remember all of these five points, just remember these two words. Who are you? Beloved child. That's who I am. I'm a beloved child of God. He has adopted me into his family. And when I say yes, when, when, when through the cross, Jesus handed out those adoption papers and he, and he pleads with us to be part of God's family. And, and when we accept that adoption and we accept that status as beloved children, Jesus celebrates. It makes him very, very happy. You know, maybe you're distant from God right now. You have an opportunity to be happy and fulfilled yourself, and you have the opportunity to make God happy by saying yes to be part of his family. Who knew that we could do that? That our yes to God could bring happiness and joy to heaven. That's how special you are. 
That's how special you are. And finally, number five, I am purposefully planned. I am purposefully planned. Now, we're going to look at that more specifically in the next two weeks. This fact of being purposefully planned. And then we're going to see how this maps out in the life of Joseph. This amazing story in Genesis. But for now, I just simply want to say this. You are here for a reason. Your life matters. God created you as a a unique, beautiful, special mix of strengths and talents, of passions and personality. And what God needs and what this world needs is for you to bring your unique, beautiful life and shine bright and live big and be brave. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians 2 verse 10. He says, we are, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us. He has created you and you in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He's planned for us long ago. You were created purposefully. The world needs you. God needs you to make a difference. So think about these things, friends, as I start to draw things to a close. Who are you? The biggest question we're all grappling with. And God says to you today, you are intentionally created. You are deeply known. You are unconditionally loved. You are joyfully adopted and you are purposefully planned. That is who you are. You are the beloved. And if you say yes to that, if you are willing to embrace it humbly, Speak it out daily. Pray it regularly. Genuinely start to believe it from the head to the heart. Then you will live and you will behave in a newfound freedom. I promise you. I promise you. It was the Christian author and preacher Ade Tozer who once said this. The single most important thing about us is what comes into our heads when we hear the word God. Sometimes we struggle to believe what God says about us because we struggle to believe about who God is. The most important thing that we know, need to know about God is he is a perfect, loving father who wants you in his family, who wants you to be part of the life before death and life beyond death. Author Omri Nywen, he wrote this, and I'll close with this. He said this, Here is the God I want to believe in. A father who, from the beginning of creation, has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing, never forcing himself on anyone, but always waiting, never letting his arms drop in despair, but always hoping that his children will return so that he can speak words of love to them and let his tired arms rest on their shoulders. His only desire is to bless.